I have a very important announcement. Attention to all listeners. It is my mother's 60th birthday. And so, as she is pretty cool, and she was the first person on the podcast, and also my first patron supporter, which I am forever grateful, uh, I'm also amazed that I have a second supporter on Patreon now called Stephen, who is an absolute legend. Anyway, back to the podcast. Um, Yes, it's my mother's birthday. And so I asked her for her favourite episode from the whole of the first year of the podcast, which I recorded whilst I was travelling. And so, as a nice present for herself and all of the listeners, she has chosen this episode on happiness that I recorded with Bob Asim. It's a fantastic choice by her, and actually quite poignant as Bob reflects on his own relationship with his mother on quite a few occasions, and it's pretty funny. So it's just a really special episode, and I'm really delighted that my mum chose this episode and that I can share it with you all this year, and just give a pleasant reminder of what to focus on in life to all of my old listeners who may have already heard it. So I will be honest and say this is a little bit of a hollow present, kind of like the kinds of gifts where you buy your mum an album that maybe you want to have a copy of anyway, or you perhaps get her some chocolates that actually they're your favourite and you know you're going to share them. And so I'm going to have to confess that I've actually been very, very busy this week and haven't had the time to edit all my growing backlog of podcasts. And I've just been trying to outsource my editing lately to other workers on Upwork and such. But this is actually proving quite difficult. And um, hopefully I get some more people supporting me on Patreon so I can afford to get some good editors. Otherwise, I'm going to have issues with my life. But yeah, anyway, I have got her a real present. She's going to Wales to record in a nice, cool recording studio, which is a fun 60th birthday present for her. So good luck with that, mum. It was really nice to reflect on this episode and go through it. Turns out I totally released it with a load of errors inside that no one ever told me about. So I spent all morning fixing those, uh, the joys of running a podcast. And it's nice to actually release this episode again without any errors. And yeah, just really happy listening to the podcast again and feeling great about my life. And on that note, please enjoy the teachings of my wise and humble friend, Bob Asim. Hello, and welcome to the Growth Mindset Podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration and exploration. Join me, your host, Sam Harris, as I discover how mindset can help you do incredible things through my conversations with the world's most interesting people, from tech billionaires to leading scientists, best-selling authors to notorious hackers. The goal is to increase our collective wisdom and attitudes to make us all happier and healthier, wiser and wealthier. Who doesn't want that? love it if you would consider supporting me on patreon you can find my page at patreon.com slash growth mindset and chuck me anything from a dollar upwards and i will genuinely be eternally grateful for your support again that's patreon.com slash growth mindset okay so just do some sound checking what did you have for breakfast chicken feet (laughs) nice chicken feet classic breakfast yes Good. <laughs> Sound check. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that little insight into our guest today. On the podcast, we had Bob Asim. He is a mid 30 year old Malaysian professional who has worked at various large medical organizations, bringing products to market and into hospitals for GP surgeries such as breast cancer and diabetes medications. He is also one of the nicest people that I think I've ever met. He just has some amazing philosophies on life that have really stuck with me and I, I hope that they'll stick with you as well. 
Uh, I think it's very easy to overlook some people that don't blow their own horn and just go about their lives being nice people. But when you do some deep analysis, some of these people are just friggin' geniuses. And um, I really believe there's a lot we can learn from people who are just generally very nice. So I have a specific example from a time with Bob that um, even at the time when I was there, I didn't actually <laughs> realize what a genius he was being. And um, I thought maybe he was just being a bit odd or stupid and um, didn't really think into it. But in hindsight now, I see how amazing his decisions were. And um, I'll explain the process. So Bob has this new house in Malaysia and um, we met him in Thailand and he invited us to come and stay with him. So me and my friend went to stay and after a few weeks, one day we were, I think my friend was boiling some beans to make some uh, veggie burgers and they were taking ages so sometimes he'd stir them, I'd stir them or whatever and later that day we then went out to meet Bob uh, for dinner and stuff and then we come back and turns out his nice new kitchen, uh, White, was um, smelling horrendously of a mix of burnt hair and burnt plastic and we'd left the beans on the hob and they oh it was awful like this weird disgusting black liquid had just gone all over like his kitchen surface and down like the sides of his cupboards and underneath the cupboards where you couldn't even get to and oh it was terrible and the hob was all burnt and the saucepan that we used was just looked like disgusting and ruined and the beans were like whoa and yeah, any normal human being would have walked into their nice new kitchen and been like, guys, what the... Jesus Christ, oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe this, ah! And gone pretty mental and been like, whoa, we have to sort this out and spent the rest of that evening dealing with the problem. But Bob, who was, I mean, it was kind of late and he had work the next morning and he was just like, oh, oh no, oh, <laughs> oh well, I'm sure you guys can fix it, doesn't matter. and. Didn't shout at all. Like, ah, oh, I also have this protein shake I have to have. This is annoying. Uh, my trainer makes me have this protein shake each night. Oh, well. So he has his protein shake and just goes to bed without shouting at all. And me and my friend are like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. I can't believe you bloody left those beans on. What the fuck? Why is it my fault? It's your fault. What? It's not my fault. And then we just shouted a lot. And then we fixed the problem and cleaned it. And we're like, what? You're, making, you're messing it up. You're not doing it right. Oh, you're making it worse. Oh, you're making it worse. Oh, we're never going to fix this. And like after two or three hours, we eventually clean it and it looks fine. And the the saucepan took a bit longer. It took like maybe the whole the next day to fix, but we still fixed that as well. And because we're nice, we went and bought like a, a cool blender and ice and fruit and stuff. So Bob is now able to make cool iced fruit protein smoothies at nighttime, and they were really delicious. And so we present this to Bob, and he's like, oh, this is amazing. Thanks, guys. And, and that's it. It's kind of the end of the story. We're all very happy. And at the time, I'm like, oh, it's just a bit weird that Bob didn't really get that pissed off. And <laughs> that's what we're Bob. But then in hindsight, that's amazing. He saved himself many hours of frustration and just running around his kitchen going mental and being pissed off, which is just not that much fun for anyone to do and also would have made him much later to bed and had a shit plan at work the next day and maybe would have been pissed off at other people and potentially would have been less friends with us because we would have spent so much time shouting at us and that's like amazing when you think about it he just sidestepped 
a whole bunch of shit that he just didn't need in his life. And I'm pretty sure any normal human being would have been like, crap! Because I certainly would have. But now I'm going to try and be more like Bob, and hopefully you can too. And so, listening to the podcast, we can maybe learn some other insights from him of how to be nice people. Anyway, the interview I think is really great, and Bob is just one of the kindest people on the planet. It takes a bit of a while to warm up, but he really gives some tremendous advice on how to live a content and happy life, and how to find purpose in your life, and how to help yourself by helping others, along with just some great quotes. So, on that note, enjoy. Cool. So, you were always interested in healthcare when you were younger? The interesting thing is, no, I was never really interested in biology, but one of the teachers, when I was from four, there was, I don't know what is it in, in UK, but he changed me, he helped me, he gave me like tuition for free and to improve my biology. Like, yeah. my biology was like failed all year long, and then because of him, I started to pass biology. And then I started to get interested. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm always a curious boy, like since young, you know, I always ask myself, like, why am I here on earth? What's my purpose? And things yeah. like that. So I thought biology would be a good answer to that. That's why I went on to do biology in my undergrad. I did biotechnology. So that sort of like answered a lot of questions about, you know, life itself okay. and things like that. <laughs> so why are you here? <laughs> I, I'm still finding out. <laughs> But yeah, I mean it's a it's a complicated question. Uh, yeah, I never really wanted to to go into healthcare because I would have go for biomedical. I went for biotechnology, and I didn't really want to do so much to help human because I kind of think that human destroy the earth. I wanted more on yeah. to help the animals and things like that. <laughs> But eventually, I don't know how, but I sort of discovered my passion in helping people, like especially those patients who really need medications and things like that. And, and it just come naturally. So you say it came naturally. Was there any specific moments when you sort of met someone or you saw something like, crap, if only I could like get them better value healthcare? I remember when I was launching this product in Malaysia, when you take care of uh, products that are treating cancer, yeah. sometimes you get really emotional because the patients don't live long, even with the advanced research and drugs that we have today. And I still remember I was watching one video of a patient who is on that drug and she was talking about, she was trying to encourage the staff and she said that each and every one of us play a role in, in what we do. You know, whether it's someone who, 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 do, who does research, who's someone who's selling a drug, someone who's delivering, delivering the drugs and things like that. So she's bold because, you know, her hair, her hairs are gone. But, uh, and she said that sometimes you can feel so, so darling at your work. But just remember that what you do matters because there's always a mother like me. Her life changed because everyone yeah. plays their role. And because of that drug, she was able to see her, her daughter grow up yeah. and things. And I think that's, that those are the things that keep me going. Patients who have a chance to attend the, the, the kids' graduation or see the children growing and things like that. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, because it's kind of hard when... You don't feel like you're the ones who just invented the drug, but actually doing anything to help it go to more people is important. Yeah, but you know, we always have a role to play. Yeah. Um, I may not be the one who invented the drug, but there's other things that I do, like I launch the drugs here and make sure that it is at an affordable price that the patients can, can, can have access to and things like that. So 
I think every little things play a role. Mm. Uh, most of the time, when you invented a product, it's just the first step. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how it got got to the market and how the people adopt the product. Yeah, it's really important. Like you, you make app and everything. Mm. Once you created an app, it's just the first step. So everyone plays a role. Nice. Yeah, when I was um, interviewing, it was like the boss of like a really big business, but. It's like I still I work with people thoroughly. They're all really just as important as I am. Like even the cleaners. Like if the guy who cleans the toilets doesn't come in tomorrow, within a few days we've got chaos in the office. If I don't come in tomorrow, like everything's going to be fine for like a few weeks. Realistically, like this guy that cleans the toilets is just as important to me. That's a good way to think about it. It's true. I have like cleaner comes to my comes to my room every day, and I make sure that I acknowledge her, I thank her because she makes sure that my. You know, my dustbin is empty, it's clean, my, my, my room doesn't smell. Yeah. Everyone plays a role. True. And I, I remember um, the story of, who is the president who put people in the moon? Yeah. Oh, Kennedy? 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 Kennedy, yeah. I think so. <laughs> like, uh, history, it's great. Yeah, he went, to, he went to NASA and yeah. then he, he was, and then he saw like a janitor and then he asked him like, what do you do? And the janitor answered, he said, I help to put people on the moon. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's cool. Have you had any thing that kind of challenged your ethics during medical things or that you sort of felt with being done incorrectly? Oh, definitely. I mean, um, yeah, there's always like bad apples. Yeah. You know, in everywhere you are all the time, but you just have to follow what your principle is. You, you just don't give in. And I have a story with some of the more unethical doctors, sort of like charge patients more for the drugs that we have like a compassionate program for patients where the patients get like certain medication for free after they buy uh, some medication, like one for one, one yeah. by one, free one kind of thing, just to bring down the cost of the medication. But some doctors, they took advantage of the loophole of the system and they never tell the, the, uh, the patients that they're on the program and they just charge patients for all the medications. So we have that kind of cases, but I came out with the idea to, to bring the system online so that it's more transparent to the patients. Yeah. The patients sign up themselves and things like that and sort of like solve the problem. So I believe there is always a solution to a problem and you don't give in to, to what you believe in. You know, I mean, the patients are sick. I mean, they're they on terminal illness and why do you want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> so how did that like process even come to be? Like, how did the people at like, your bosses not realize that was going on? Oh, how did you realize that was going on? Not other I was on the ground. I yeah. mean, I started off um, as a sales rep. Yeah. So I go to hospital to hospitals to meet all the doctors, the pharmacists. I know what's happening on the ground because I see them... Um, on a day-to-day basis, but it's corporate work. From me to my MD, my managing director, I have my sales manager reporting to. He reports to national sales manager. National sales manager reports to business unit uh, director. Then business unit director report to managing director. Just the gap of three people is enough yeah. to change the story. And there were a lot of fear even among people who know what's going on. Yeah. Because we are here... Yes, we, we, and this, this was back in Roach. I mean, we innovate healthcare. We believe in patients, uh, benefiting patients and things like that. But we are still a profitable organization. Mm. You still need to make sure revenue comes in and things like that. And there are people who are afraid that if they confronted the truth and try to solve the problem, 
it may offend the customers which had adopted and they're not prescribing your products and it can backfire and I don't blame them for being afraid to act but me being myself because I was so small I don't really give a shit about a job <laughs> yeah I mean seriously like I I told my idea to two people and they don't get what I was trying to say eventually I got a chance to present it to my managing director and he got it but I spent whole night just to draft a proposal because I realized that the first two couldn't understand what I was trying to say because they couldn't read my mind. So I was I was writing down, I was drawing out my mind for the whole, like, I didn't sleep that night. <laughs> and I told myself, now this is the time I'm going to tell somebody. And and if this guy doesn't get it, right, yeah. which is my managing director, I will resign. I will not work under this, this kind of, you know. So... Fortunately, he get it, and yeah, it, it has brought about a good change in the company, and we're definitely for the patients. Nice. Well, yeah. congratulations, winning above everyone. <laughs> so, what's your general goal? If you work in the healthcare industry, you have to have patience. Must be in your heart. Whatever you do, you must think of the patients. If you're not thinking for the patients, you shouldn't be in the healthcare industry. Um, I just want to see the healthcare continue to advance. There's so much gap in our, our healthcare, even though we are now much better compared to maybe 50 to 100 years ago, but we still have no cure for a lot of things. Like, I mean, cancer is worse, but um, I just like to see patients live longer and I would do everything I can just to achieve that. What do you think about the kind of end goals that some people are putting, trying to get people to live for hundreds of years? I don't believe in that. I, I agree with what Steve Jobs said. You know, death is the greatest invention of all. Can you imagine uh, you're living and you know that you're not going to die? You take your time. Yeah. You don't do what you want to do. And it's just, I don't know, you live life so differently. Yeah. I, I think that uh, death is, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a good invention, but how people die, I think is, I think everyone should give it, should, should be given enough time to do what they want yeah, to do. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't kind of always want a bit more time I feel like it makes sense but yeah anyone lived like 80, 90 years but actually at that point no one ever sort of really wants to die unless they've been in the hospital months on end was just having a shit time and there's clearly nothing better for them to be to do but if you were just as healthy as you were when you were 20 at the point of 80 you're like well tomorrow I don't want to suddenly be able to not go up the stairs or like not go to the toilet by myself and every day you wouldn't think tomorrow is the day where I'll, I'll just die that's fine yeah I don't know I, I'm, I mean it's too long for me to be at the age to imagine yeah. what, I, what I would think but I think that a lot of people when they reach that age human they want to feel like they're, they're, they're at value to wherever yeah. they are and I yeah, think that's... there are times where you reach certain age you just need to give the younger generation a chance mm. and it's time for you to step back and just relax that is like because you can't stand up by yourself or because you can't actually sort of think very fast if your body's failing you but if your body never has to fail you then why do you never have to stop but I read a really nice book called Replay by Ken Grimwood it's about this guy that he, he lives to like 60 and he has a sudden heart attack but he wakes up again as a 20-year-old, but himself, like, 40 years ago, but with all of his memories. So it's literally, like, he sort of loops back into him, oh, his own wow. body. But he starts doing this again and again, so he does, like, these different lives every time he comes back. This is like, fiction, right? Yeah, it's a fiction. Okay. It's, not, it's not real, obviously. <laughs> but it's quite interesting the way, like, you don't do the same things each time. It makes you really think about, like, the choices you make. You just want things slightly different one time, and, like, it changes his entire yeah, yeah. 
just like the impact and like that you only really have like one set of paths to take exactly. in your one life. Yeah. But if you have multiple lives, you could do all these different things and like it's right time. And it's just quite beautiful that makes you think about like how to spend your time most wisely rather than just doing the one thing that's in front of you. Yeah. And it's a really good book. I recommend it. To change the topic to couch surfing. How did you get into couch surfing? The, the, ver- the very first couch surfing, unofficial couch surfing I did was I picked up a stranger like a Japanese guy in the airport. That was 10 years ago. Because I, I never really had time to, to do it before. Um, I, fo- I focused so much of my life at work and things like that. I remember at the time I missed a train and I met this guy and then he was lost in the airport. And I spoke to him and I ended up invited him to my house to sleep at the couch. It was like a interesting story because he flew all the way here just to see... Um, he, he's a baker, like he's a baker, and then he admired a baker so much that, that he's a Japanese baker, invited by our ex-prime minister to come and open a store in, in Malaysia. It's called the Loof. So um, he wants to meet him. So he flew all the way from Tokyo just to see him, just to, and, and I met him in, uh, the airport. He was, he was trying to get a ticket to, to the KL Central, but he couldn't do it because he couldn't speak English. But he could speak Mandarin because he was in Taiwan for four years and I can speak Mandarin. I missed my train that day and someone was tapping me on, tapping, you know, like asking me to help him. And, you know, I had a bad day because I missed my train. But I told him, I said, like, what do you want? And he said, like, oh, I, I want to get a ticket to, to for the train ticket. And then I said, okay, you just have to go there. The counter is there. And I brought him to the counter. Then I realized why he didn't get his ticket because the guy was in the toilet. So after that, he got his ticket. The train is here. I went into the train. Like I didn't want to talk to anyone. It's, it's not a good day. But he came in to the same train and yeah. I was like, oh my God, he's coming again. And he approached me and he was so polite and he thanked me and he wanted to, and he tell me why is he here for and things like that. I didn't think so much that time because you try to be careful with strangers. I did think like that at that time. And then I was the first one who got out of the train when I reached Kale Central. And then I went up the escalator and then something just stopped me. And then I was thinking, okay, maybe this guy really need my help. And I went down again. He was the last one who came out of the train. And I asked him, where are you going to stay tonight? And he showed me his guidebook. He said, here, it's Kuala Lumpur KTM Station Hotel. I said, I've been to that station. I lived yeah. here for a while. I never heard of that hotel before. I said, okay, you know what? Follow me. We'll take a, a taxi to my house. I'll take my car. I'll bring you to that hotel that you're talking about to make sure you've got a place to stay tonight. So... In the taxi, we talked some more. You know, he was, that was the second time in Malaysia. The first time he came to Malaysia, he got cheated by a driver, a taxi driver to go to Malacca. Yeah. He charged him like 1000 ringgit. And then I found out that he was in the airport since morning. I met him like at 8 p.m. Um, wow. but he was in the morning in the airport. Nobody helped him. He got nothing to eat. He was hungry. Yeah. So I said, okay, you know what? We, let's go for dinner. I brought him to Jalalalo. Place I brought you. Nice. So um, we had dinner, and then he tell me why he's here for. And I said, "Oh, there is uh, the love here in Pavilion." So after the dinner, there was like ten o'clock already. I dropped him at Pavilion. Uh, then he went into the bakery store, and then he came out, and then he told me that, "Oh, that guy is not here. He's in Langkawi branch." And I said, yeah. and then he said, "Oh, but I have his card." So I said, "Call him." Then he said, "Oh, no, no." The Japanese, we don't call stranger, you know, it's not polite. And I said, give me the card. I'm going to call him. So I called that guy and I told him that, look, 
this guy flew all the way from Japan just to see you. You better make sure you see him. And he didn't believe me. And then he asked me to pass the phone to over to him. And then they spoke in Japanese. And then he invited him over to Langkawi. So I said, okay, let me go. And he said, oh, he wants me to go with him. I said, no, it's fine. Langkawi is a small town. Nobody is going to cheat your money. So, and then I told him that, you know what? It's late now. I don't have a room for you because I rented out both my rooms, but I have a couch. If you don't mind, you can sleep in my couch. And he was like, he was so thankful about it. And he ended up sleeping in my place. And next day I brought him to the Central to get a ticket to fly to Langkawi. He met the guy. Uh, they spent four hours together. He offered him a job, but he didn't take it. Um, yeah, and then he came back and spent another night with me before we go to Singapore. And I told him that, you know, in my life, I never miss a train. That yeah. was the first night and I met you. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Random. Yeah. yeah. And since then, you've got super into surfing. No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, yeah. I was busy and everything, but um, I only started recently, like, to really act, be active in car surfing. Yeah, it has been great. What do you think makes you do it more? Is it just like the enjoyment of hosting people or being able to get hosted afterwards? So it's- no, I think car surfing is a way for me to help people. Um, I went to the States for work and travel two times. The second time when I went to the States, it was not as smooth as the first time. The yeah. first time, it was amazing. I spent 8,000 ringgit for the work travel visa and then I bring back 16,000 ringgit just by working yeah. at McDonald's it was crazy um, the second time I quit my job uh, after first day working there and then I had a problem getting trying to get a job and then I was struggling for I think two weeks or two months I can't remember I think probably two weeks in Seattle Yeah, and I hated Seattle so much it's always rainy cloudy mm-hmm. I almost get depressed over there and then I moved to my mom's friend's house in San Francisco. And that's when I felt like it's a paradise, you know, the sunlight and everything. And the reason why she opened up her home was because my mom sort of like kind of like hosted her when she was here. And that's when she opened a home for me. And after that, I moved to Virginia um, and I stayed there for like three weeks. I stayed in the basement uh, with family. Like that, the family, the guy is, is a nephew of my mentor here in Malaysia. So he's American, but he lives here for like, I don't know, more than 10 years. And I sort of, he like know my situation over there and he's arranged a place for me to stay. So I stay with the family. The guy is Micah and his wife is Miho. His, his wife is Japanese. They have like two really cute daughters. I really miss them. And when I went to Virginia, somehow the tenant at the basement um, moved out. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed there for like three weeks. And as soon as I moved out, there was a new tenant came in. So I, I I just felt so thankful with all the experience that I had when I was traveling and I had such a hardship at that time. And somehow things just line up accordingly. Yeah. Like I told you, like I, I came in uh, when the guy moved out and then I, you know, a ten- new tenant came in right after I moved out. And I can understand what the travelers are going through. And I just like to help them. I, I, I think helping people is... Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice thing to do. It, it makes people happy. It makes me happy. Mm. And there are many ways you can help people. Yeah. Um, you know, like I have, I have a colleague who, who do street feeding. Like she goes to downtown yeah. and she feed the homeless 
but you have to wake up and you have to stay late. Like you have, you can only do that at midnight. So you know, I think different people help people differently. Yeah. So like for me, I I chose to do. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm kind of. I'd like to think that I'm a nice guy and I'm pretty generous. Okay. But compared to you, I, I feel like I'm this selfish, <laughs> horrible guy that sort of isn't helpful for anyone because you're pretty, yeah, amazing with like just how generous and nice you are. Like just the fact, like obviously you're giving me a spare room that I can just use whenever and having a key to the house is cool. But like even on the first day, you're like, oh yeah, if you want to use my car, like <laughs> these are my car keys. I'm like, the fuck? Like, <laughs> I mean, I could be your shit driver. Do you not want to like check about these things and... You've been like great, just like picking me up and taking me places and things. Instead of there's being nice and there's like the next level of nice, and you're definitely at the next level. And like, how did you get to that level? Was it is it like an active choice you make every day to be like remember to like go one step further, or are you just naturally oh well, I'll just this is no 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 how I should be yeah definitely not. I definitely don't do that. Like I don't try to do that. Um, I can I will only offer what I have. Like yeah. I don't give my key. My car keys to you when I need a car. I only give yeah. it to you when I, I'm traveling when I don't use the car. Uh, and it's more convenient for me to pass you my house key because I don't have to come back and open the door for you and yeah. things like that. You have the key, you can go in and out anytime you want. How did I get to this? It's, it's really about, I think, my parents, especially my mom. I mean, she's such a giver. There was a time of my life where I became a bit more selfish and I kind of like stopped her for or trying to give too much and I you know now I think back I'm like that is that was a terrible thing that I did because she was trying to be happy because for yeah. her giving is happy I mean I can tell you like an example of what she did when I was studying of course I didn't ask a lot um, because of the way she brought me up I stayed quite far away from my college but it's not like too far but it's not easy for you to walk so I wanted to have a bicycle so I asked for a bicycle for, from her and then she said no, it's too dangerous because you know how the care of people drive here. And then I said, okay, maybe a motorcycle. And she said, no, it's still too dangerous. So she ended up gave me a, a car. It's like a, a 30,000 ringgit car because she said, oh, there's a car here. Nobody use it and you can take it. So she sent me the car. But what she did was at the same time, she gave a 70,000 ringgit car to a pastor's daughter. Yeah. yeah. She wow. just gave away like that. And at that time, I was thinking, okay, um, uh, is she your daughter or I'm your son? You know, the kind of thing. Like, <laughs> but now okay. I'm thankful because of the way she brought me up. She doesn't spoil me. Like, I don't expect yeah. people to be nice to me. Or I don't expect, you know, nice things to come to me. But I like to give also because of the way she brought me up. I, I, I wasn't brought up in like a wealthy or rich family, but we have enough. And she always told me that you just need to have enough and the rest you just give to people. And she always say, the more you give, the more you receive. And I don't really understand all these things until recently I do all these things. And I find that I became much more happy. Yeah. Maybe the, the things that I get back is not material things or, or whatever, but you get so much happiness in your life. Yeah. And you feel so much peace. You become more productive and things like that. And I also realized that giving is like a privilege for two reasons. Number one, you can only give what you have, right? So if you can give somebody something, that means you're more privileged than some, somebody, yeah. right? And that could mean even a smile. 
Sometimes uh, you see some people like they 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 have a bad day. They yeah. can't even smile, but you can yeah, smile, and you give him a smile, and he makes his day. And then you know that's why you're more privileged than him, right? And the second thing is the second reason why it is a privilege is you can only give when the other the other party is willing to receive. You know, <laughs> the world has become so I don't know so crazy that whenever someone is nice to you, you think that okay maybe this guy. Yeah, I want something else. Like yeah. Agenda. So, but if someone just, okay, thank you, it's, it's a privilege because they allowed you to give. That, that's my thinking. Ooh, yeah, it's yeah. really nice. I look on it. And it makes you feel so much more grateful in life because you realize that you actually have a lot to give. You are in a good, better position than a lot of people yeah. because you're able to give. Even a smile is a gift, you know, because you're happy. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point, isn't it? Just going around like your normal life just definitely makes you happier just choosing to be happy in the moment, if you get me. As in, when something comes your way that could make you unhappy and you go, I'm not going to let this make me be unhappy. Yeah. You feel extra happy just because you decided that. Like, I remember when I was sort of 17 or 18, like I, I got a parking ticket this one day and it pissed me off and like I felt like I'd been done wrong because I parked for like five minutes and super annoying and like uh, I lost like a hundred quid or whatever it wasn't like the end of the world but it ruined the rest of my day mm-hmm. then the next day my friend was like oh you can park here because he lived in the city and I didn't know it and I was like okay cool and so we went for lunch came back and I had another parking ticket and I was like oh fucking hell <laughs> like, and like so it was mostly his fault but then like I was like okay well I should have listened to him it's my car and and I just sort of just because I had such a bad day yesterday, I just couldn't be asked with having another bad day. <laughs> and I just chose, you know what? I just don't care about this. This is fine. I'm going to have a good day the rest of the day. Yeah. I'm going to be able to see my friend otherwise. But I then had a much better day just because I'd chosen to not yeah. be pissed off. I yeah. was extra happy. And I felt like even more in the moment and happy that I wasn't unhappy exactly. the whole time. I think that is a good point. For me, shit's always happen. When it happens, I just say, okay, I learned it. I'm so happy that I learned the new things today. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm not, it's not going to repeat. So then you just move on with your life. And you, like what you say, you, you, you'll be happier. Yeah. If you ever watched Kung Fu Panda, there's the phrase that his master teaches him. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a, is a, no, today is a gift. gift. That's why we call it the present. Yeah. Yep. You ruined the punchline there. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's a good point, though. It? Yeah. it just means, like, to value what you have right now and don't worry yeah. so much. Yeah. Uh, so ah, anyway. Then I'm going to show you a quote. Dalai Lama, when asked what surprised him the most about humanity, he answered, man, because he sacrifices his health in order to make money. Then he sacrifices his money to recuperate his health. And then he is so anxious about the future that he does not enjoy the present. The result being that he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he's not he's never going to die and then dies having never really lived. Oh, wow. That's very powerful. Like yeah. He's a wise guy. Take a wise. Cool. That's uh, like <laughs> maybe I'll come back to that to end the podcast. Sure, sure. sure. Nice to think about. Oh yeah, you did a meditation retreat, didn't you? How was that? Uh yeah, I did. Uh what's it called? The Vipassana? <laughs> Vipassana meditation for 10 days. So that's where you're like completely silent and you don't talk to yeah. anyone for 10 days. You don't days. talk to anyone for 10 days. Okay. No. Do they do, they do like a pre-day where they kind of warm you up to it? No. Like, okay, no. this is what you're going to think about. This is like a drill. No. You just sort of walk in, they take your phone and everything. Yes. And you just sit in a room. Yes. They give you like a 
room to yourself. Yeah. Uh, phone is taken, everything, no book, nothing. Um, yeah, there's no, but the first two days are were really so tough. It's like an empty room. Empty room, yeah. It's okay. just a bed. It's like a simple bed. And you, you don't see anyone at all? Or do you see? No, you see, you see. Like, but you can't have eye contact with them. Okay. Yeah, you... It sounds a bit like isolation treatment yeah, in prison is. kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> like... No, you <laughs> you could like get some hookers and drugs and have sorry. the same dream. <laughs> like, uh, the room is just like for you to sleep. But yeah. when you meditate it's in a hall. Okay. So, so you meditate do the other people, people do other people speak then and they no. say like okay. You can only you're only allowed to speak to the So how do you know like where to sit and like what's going on? Okay. Um how do you order your food? <laughs> no, sorry, one thing at a time. <laughs> okay. So what happened is that you have like um your rooms that's for yeah. you to sleep so they sort of like assign where you sleep yeah and then you have your cushion for you to meditate in the hall so you know which one is your cushion yeah so you don't sit on somebody else's okay. cushion and then there's a hall for food so you yeah. go to the hall and then you take a tray and then there, there, there are people who serve they, they serve you like you know one yeah. scoop of everything and then you just eat. But cool. you don't talk to the students. You spend the entire time being like, a, I, could, I could speak. Or <laughs> no. Because uh, I, I feel like, you know, when you're like on a cliff, you're always like, oh, I could jump. Like, do you feel like the entire time, like, oh, maybe this like, this huge noise is going to burst out of my mouth by accident or something. No, but I have to say that I cheated on the, yeah. probably the ninth day or something. What? I, I started to speak to my friend, but, um, but yeah. the first... Was that like by accident, you just sort of randomly like just said something and like, oh, shit. No, I just like... I just decided to like, <laughs> like and then we started talking, <laughs> but it was illegal, so we had to go into the room and you know right. whisper instead of talk. Did um, it feel good? Yeah, it was it was okay, but um, what did you say? Did you like? Oh, I've been thinking about this or what? Yeah, I just wanted to. I, I was trying to understand like what was his experience because yeah, just want to know that. That's it. But it was an interesting experience because. I, I always wanted to learn about meditation because I, I read so much about it. I heard so much about it. It relaxes your mind and things like that. But when I go to the camp, it's completely different from what I imagined. It's not an easy work. 10 minutes is hard. Yeah. I no, because you, I mean, uh, 10, days. It's four. 10 days, you wake up at four and you start meditating for two hours and then you have breakfast and then you meditate again. So basically you meditate for 10 hours a day, for wow. 10 days. So there's like 100 hours of meditation. Um, that's a lot yeah. so that's why I say it's hard but if you just use the technique like for now I don't meditate for spiritual reason but sometimes when I'm stressed or I know the, the day is going to be tough you know I just take like maybe 5-10 minutes just to do a quick meditations and it yeah. really helps my mind to relax yeah I've been, I've been getting into meditation a lot kind yeah. of every morning now but yeah I definitely like, recommend a camp because uh, you will really learn how to meditate properly because you can watch YouTube and things like that to try to learn it, but it's different, you know, like it's that. really different. Cool. Yeah, it's some like things to do at some point. It's a, it sounds like really mentally challenging, but it seems stupid that I can't take 10 days to try and just challenge my entire mental aspect. I think there yeah. are a lot of meditations. Um, did, did, did many people drop out? I did see like a few of them, uh, not a lot, hmm. um, maybe like one or two. Okay, out of how many people join each time? Right. Out of 15. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Still so crazy. I was trying to go back again, but I thought yeah. maybe not because uh, the meditation is yeah. more of a technique, uh, which I think I've got it, but you know, yeah. you don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any favorite memories from 
a child or any like really stand out memories. Well, so from a child. it could be like a really bad thing that happened, but like something that's just like when I was a child. Yeah, something that's like ingrained in your mind because I put on So I grew up with my dad's sister. I can only speak a bit, and I thought she was my mom. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. I mean, I grew up with her, and then so my mom got worried about me not recognizing her as, yeah. as a real mom. So she decided to bring me back to uh, her town, and then put me in the Chinese school. So that's when I started to learn Mandarin. It took yeah. me like she was so worried about me looking at me from the outside of the class. Yeah, and she said it took me just two weeks to what? learn Mandarin. <laughs> I don't know, you know, wow. mothers. Um, but ever since then, I I I lost my clubbit. Now I don't speak clubbit anymore. I can understand the basics, yeah. But I don't speak clubbit anymore. I speak English with my dad, Mandarin with my mom. But I told all my friends I have two mothers. Yeah, like, <laughs> one is here and another one is in another town. Up to wow. the age of uh, twelve, I think twelve. Yeah. Yeah, that's when I realized that, okay, she is my real mom, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I still... That's funny. Yeah, I still uh, care about my dad's sister. I call her my godmom. And then the photo, you know, the graduation photo, yeah. you see it? So the, the, the one seated, that's her. So even my mom, you know, she makes sure that when I go back to hometown, I go and visit her. I mean, yeah, she's old, so I buy things for her because she wants me to be grateful for her. Because she sort of like took care of me for the first four years of my life. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to ask me? I think one of the things that I, I've always wanted to do is to learn programming. Yeah. Because, you know, like what I'm doing right now is more of like doing things that I will always want to do. And that also make me feel so much happier. It seems like it's not an easy path to, to start with. Nice. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely kind of hard. Yeah. Because um, your background is not programming, right? No. So it's quite interesting how you got into programming. So I started with just Code Academy. Oh, this okay. is like just free resources to free resources for just learning like the super basics of things. Okay. And from that, I um I did a few like got into Code Wars, which is another website that sort of has just challenges for you from the super basic to like the super hard. Okay. You just can do them every day. Right. If you try and just do like one or two of these little challenges, then you just start building up. Every time you do a new one, you kind of have to Google certain syntax and things. You kind of learn how to think more in programming. And you need to do like the basics like that for sort of maybe two or three months. I then did a boot camp. But yeah. if if you're good at self-learning, you can do like courses over to yeah. the older you get it is just jumping into being a complete genius. So if you get to being like a really high level manager, you can kind of change industry, but still not go right to the bottom of the ladder maybe. But in a pro programming, when you start, you'll be shit. Yeah. You can't demand a good job. Yeah. You have to be the bottom level programmer yeah. and do like an internship or whatever. So it takes some humility to be willing to just yeah. go down to the bottom again and be a complete junior. But if you're willing to take a year out and just do like a three month boot camp and do like a basic junior level job, then by the end of it, you'll know a lot more about the world you're interacting with. Okay. Okay. And you could potentially then go back into interviewing before we just know, like, have a way more useful skill. Yeah. yeah. So just everything is going on otherwise. So yeah, I would recommend it. And lastly, do you have any amazing books that you've read that have shaped you? It's kind of cliche, but the book that really changed my life is this uh, book, Stephen Covey, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. 
I, in fact, I never read that book. Yeah. I mean, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I never read that one. I, 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 I read the Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teenager by the Sun. Uh-huh. Yeah, when I was uh, <laughs> 16, 16 yeah, years old. Yeah, it's basically the same. Talk yeah. about the same thing, but you <laughs> just use the, the the example for like teenager to yeah try to get better understanding of what habits are. It's really funny. Yeah, that book changed my life because I was never a good student. I would say never a good yeah. student. Um, we have like public exam in Malaysia when we are twelve, mm-hmm. uh, fifteen, and seventeen. Yeah. So for my public exam for on. At, at age of 12, I only get one A. Yeah. 15, one out of six, right? And then 15, I got two out of seven, I think. So I was never considered like a potential uh, guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I decided to w- go to a boarding school when I turned 16 because my brother went to college. So I was yeah. lonely at home. I asked my mom to send me to the boarding school. <laughs> so... She sent me together with my two friends. And yeah. these two friends, are, they were good students. They have like five A's out of seven. So the principal in that school didn't want to accept me to be in a science class. Because in Asia, you know, like parents want the kids to be in the science class, that kind of thing. So my mom was telling him that my, my son, he's smart, but he's just naughty. He mixed with the wrong uh, friends and things like that. But you give him a chance, he will be good. So then the principal said, okay, I'll give him a chance, but with two conditions. Number one, he has the two friends, the yeah. good student, they're supposed to go into the A class. Yeah. Because of me, they go to C class because yeah. the principal wants them to influence me. Yeah. Wow. And then the second thing is, I have to stay with that one of the friends because the other, the other one is a girl. It's like yeah. one guy, one girl. So when I, so I have to stay with the other guy in a room in the hostel. Wow. And you know what he did? He wakes up every day, 4 a.m. in the morning, and he study. Cool. He turns, turns on the light. He don't give a shit about you. You know, yeah. this, this, you know, the, the, the real genius people, they have like terrible social skill. Yeah. And then they just wow. wake up and turn on the light and he starts studying. And you know what happened? Oh. Eventually I follow. Yeah. And I only pick up reading at the age 16. <laughs> Before that, I never read. Oh. And, um, and that was one of the first books that I read, Seven Habits of Highly Effective. Teenager and it changed my life. Okay. You know, seven the six habits and the seven habits, of course. The seven habits is sharpening your soul. Yeah. And because of that seven habit, after that I just keep reading books and keep watching like TED Talk yeah. or you know, other things, just to keep improving myself. And that was the turning point of my life. And uh, of course we became good friends after that. You know, I he learned a lot about social skill with me. Yeah. And I became more hardworking and then learned how to study and get good grades. At the end of my two years with him, yeah, and my public school, seventeen years old, I got seven out of nine, seven A's out of nine subject. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Whoa. And well, he got he got nine A's. Two of them <laughs> got nine A's. When we went back to my town, right? And yeah. I grew up in a small town. It's like a fisherman, businessman town. Yeah. Nobody was interested in him. Everybody was asking me, how did I get my seven A's? Yeah. Because nobody expected that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so life did do really shit me until like the last day of exams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise people and they'll remember. Yeah. In fact, I even went into the news, you know, like... <laughs> no, seriously, because my mom, uh, she was kind of like a... Uh, 
a representative in the political party in that yeah. town. So there was one time when there was one event when they were giving out, you know, like excellent awards to the student. Yeah. So when they gave me the award, right, she she bought like a bouquet of flowers for me. So yeah. they took the photo. So my mom nice. know the journalist and then so she wrote about how the you know the the politician son got good result and things like that. So I think my mom still have that cool. that newspaper cutting yeah. out. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anything else? You I, I I just think it would be great if everyone in this world just want to give a little bit more. Mm. I mean, I would really like to see that one day, especially the new generation. I mean, you can imagine like how if every employees want to give a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more extra, a, a, a little extra mile in their work. And how every employer want to give a little bit more conversation or bonus. Yeah, like that. the world will be much better. And yeah. I think you should get so much more from yeah. around you and yeah. get to meet more friends with everyone. Exactly. And um, I think that's the only thing that I would really want to encourage people to do. Just start to give and you are always more privileged compared to someone else. You know, like what I told you, even a smile is a gift. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Thanks very much. You're Good welcome. Time. And thanks for having me and everything. Thanks for having me. So that was my interview with Bob. Like I said, he is a really great guy. He hosted me and my friend in his new home for a whole month out of the blue. Never really had an issue with anything. I genuinely feel like he had a profound effect on how I want to live my life and his encouragement to do things like Vipassana meditation and to share more hope completely changed my mindset and made me a happier and nicer person to be around, I think. So this podcast was actually recorded last year. And since then, like just last week, I finished retreating. Retreating? I finished <laughs> completing a 10-day silent meditation retreat called Vipassana that Bob recommended me to go and do. So that was possibly one of the best experiences of my life. And I will definitely do a full episode on these retreats. and what they do to your brain. And um, I guess a lot of the things that Bob talks about relating to how to live a happier life suddenly seem a lot more obvious to me. And things like the story I told about Bob's new kitchen that I didn't really appreciate at the time makes so much more sense now. So I'll try and break things down in my top tips for you. Number one, happiness can be derived through generosity. Now, this is kind of a difficult concept to grasp and initially practicing it when you're brought up in a world where you're taught to think for yourself and kind of prioritize your own wants first is makes it quite difficult. But when you can start deriving happiness from making others happy, your life will truly change. When you think of things from other people's perspectives instead of your own perspective, you really unlock a whole extra dimension of happiness that never really existed before. And it suddenly becomes remarkably easy just to enjoy each day instead of going through life selfishly trying to have more for yourself or feeling owed stuff or victimized when you don't get as much as others do instead of just feeling happy that other people are doing well so this also makes you a much nicer person to be around and then other people start doing nice things for you and your life and relationships get a whole lot better so Bob thinks that the ability to be generous should be considered a privilege in itself that you shouldn't take for granted. 
and try and use at all times. Uh, the first point about this is the fact that if you can give anything, that is a privilege. So even a smile is a privilege that you are happy right now. Giving anything of value is a privilege that you have something of value. And then point two was that being able to give to others because they are open to receive is, is also a privilege. Not everyone in life is ready to receive help or advice or any form of gifts from you. So when people are open to generosity, you can be grateful that you're able to improve their day and help them. And then to conclude with this biggest philosophy, having what you need is enough and having more is awesome because you get to share and give to others and you can be even happier. Number two, happiness through living in the moment and basically just deciding to be happy. So don't let your expectations of what you want control your happiness. And when shit things happen, just accept them and move on without being dragged into unhappiness. So like Bob in his new kitchen or me and my parking ticket, if you just accept reality as it is now, straight away, you can continue to be happy and have good relationships with those around you. If you kick and scream like a child, resisting acceptance of this new fate that has befallen you, and then blaming those around you or shouting at people, you're just being stupid. And you have to accept this new situation eventually, so you may as well just accept it now and stop wasting time. And yeah, to summarise, if a problem arises and you let that make you unhappy and you get angry or sad, instead of having one problem, you create many more problems for yourself and you waste your own time being unhappy and you waste time with those around you being addicted to and life is simply too short to waste with this, so just don't, basically. And then life becomes much better. And as a bonus, when you observe the fact that you could be unhappy right now, but you've decided not to be, you feel even happier because you're aware of how much crap you're avoiding. And life is just super great. Number three, stay true to your beliefs. When something makes you feel awkward and you feel like it can't be changed or those around you aren't doing anything about it, don't just carry on and leave the thing. Like, have the ball to stick your neck out and risk it. So Bob saved patients money and impressed his bosses ultimately by being the only one willing to tell them about the issues going on with the doctors stealing money from the patients. He risked being not understood or losing sales of the product for his company by the doctors no longer using their products, but he stood up for his belief and the patients and then everything worked out. So I think we all have times when our moral beliefs are challenged and examples like this are a great reason to have faith in ourselves instead of just following the crowd. And now onto books. So um, I firstly recommended Replay by Ken Grimwood, tale of a man who is reborn several times into the same body as a teenager. And this provides a really good perspective on the way someone can choose to live a life. And I find it just a, a really beautiful tale of the past and decisions we take in life and how they affect us and what really matters in our search for happiness. Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens by Sean Covey. So Sean is the son of Stephen Covey who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And this book is just an interpretation of those principles in a way that a teenager can apply them to their own life or a parent or a grandparent can help them. And both books are really excellent reads apparently. For anyone wants to do more with their lives and be happy. If you enjoy the show and want to encourage me to be creative and make more episodes just like this, then you can support me at my Patreon at patreon.com slash growth mindset. 
So I love making these episodes for you, and I would love to dedicate more time to it and to just make the best podcast possible. And with your support, I can do that. Other benefits from becoming a patron will include the chance to ask questions on the show to me or to guests, and to suggest episode topics and suggest guests to be on the show. So if you like what I'm doing, send me some sweet supporting love. Or if you think the podcast is just terrible and really needs to improve, you can improve it with your money. Perfect. So head on over to patreon.com slash growth mindset and join the crew from as little as $1. You've just listened to an episode of the Growth Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your preferred app and give me a good rating as these go a really long way. If you are unable to give good feedback right now, try sharing the show with a friend who will, or just wait for the show to improve. If you have any ideas for the show or you just want to chat, then please reach out to me on Twitter at Sam Harris Tweets or Instagram at Sam Jam Snaps. Show notes and other links to topics discussed in the episodes are available at the website growthmindsetpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening. Give yourself a big hug from me. If you're with a friend, give them a hug as well. And I hope you enjoy your next podcast. I have some awkward and awful news. Stephen, my second supporter on Patreon, has now stopped supporting me on Patreon. So it's back to just my mum. I think he might have supported me by accident and thought I was the other Sam Harris. Uh, (laughs) The woes of being called Sam Harris. (laughs) So when I say join the club, what I mean is join me and my mum because it's kicking off over on patreon actually we're starting a book club it's going to be lots of fun should should really do that anyway sam out